0: You're listening to Eye on the Ball with Steve Rivera. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. Welcome to Monday, the first day of the week and the shows. Tom Callahan, how are you doing?
1: Not too bad, Steve. Not too bad. It's a Monday afternoon. We get to talk a little sports. So how bad can it really be?
0: That's true. It's like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Friday, I'll stop there. I need a break on Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> but uh, I know I know the answer to this question. At least I think I know. Did you watch uh, the Michael Jordan stuff yesterday?
1: So I didn't. Um,
0: no, of course I do that. I knew yeah,
1: that. it's it's tough because right now, I mean, with everybody doing the belt tightening thing, and I, and I haven't had cable for a while. I seriously oh, okay. did consider the ESPN Plus thing and the the streaming and whatever, and it's just. I just can't justify the money on it right now. I know it's the hottest thing going, but, man, I no, just no, no. need to put the money other places.
0: <laughs> I totally get it. I, I didn't know that was the issue, but I get it. Totally get it. Can I just come and live at the Rivera Compound? That's good.
1: The Compound. I love how you make that sound, like there's giant gated walls and 12 buildings. And <laughs> no. I like it. The no. Rivera Compound. No, I ha- no,
0: no, no not at all. You just put you with the chickens and the hens and all that stuff. <laughs> You'd have to cut the lawn. Hey, uh, good to hear from you, Tom. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, good show today. I hope I have Michael Lev of the Arizona Daily Star on at six fifteen. We'll talk about yesterday's NFL draft, what it means in the grand scheme of things for Arizona football. Nothing at all. They're bad, um, and just the players that were were not drafted that eventually signed uh, with teams uh, over the last couple of days, uh, including Khalil Tate. But we'll talk about that uh, on the other side of the break. Do you have any sense of what you want to talk about with that, uh, Tom? Uh,
1: yeah, you know, I I, I do. And, uh, Steve, one important sports note I want to mention before we go to anything else, I just want to say that I'm thankful to see Vin Scully is home from the hospital. Uh, he fell at his home and, and was in the hospital for a few days. He's back now. I mean, the guy's 92 years old, but he's a national treasure. And if you at all like baseball, you must love Vin Scully on some level. So... It was nice to see him come home, and he's 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 fine. He's fine. Just want everybody That's to good. know.
0: That's good to know, as you know, we had uh, Francisco Romero on the show maybe two weeks two weeks ago, and he said he started doing his baseball announcing, learning on all that stuff uh, because of Vince Scully down in Douglas in Mexico uh, or down in Mexico. That was the only guy he could hear. So that's what he wanted to be when he grew up. And guess what he does? He does exactly that. Cool. That's good to know. I did not see that in the news. Although I did see that baseball could be coming back some in some form uh, in a couple of months. Uh, get 100 games in, 80 to 100 games in before the season. And um, maybe we'll have some baseball. Whether fans are able to attend that's another thing but uh, like you said I think you just told me uh, in South Korea they're playing
1: they are playing and actually I just discovered uh, today while I was kicking around on the interwebs uh, two things Cape Cod League uh, domestically has canceled their season. But elsewhere, baseball is still going. Taiwan is playing in empty stadiums as well. So um, th- there are baseball games being played in front of, of empty stadiums, which, I mean, probably isn't the ideal situation. But you know what? Uh, some of the Asian leagues are full steam ahead right now. And and I bet you it's a tremendous welcome distraction for the folks who are are dealing with the same thing we're all dealing with. This is a global pandemic.
0: Yeah, no question. In fact, I, you, you saw that more and more cities, states are loosening their grip on the, uh, the rules and they're letting people out and being close. It's funny, when you're on first, I'm, I'm the first baseman, you're on first, I think I'm going to give you a six-foot six lead. I'm not going to hold you on.
1: <laughs> Do you, you have to, don't you? Is, isn't that <laughs> nice? You, know, you have to give me a six-foot lead.
0: Take 12 if you want. Take 12. I'm not staying there talking.
1: And your first base coach has got to get really good at catching all of your extra gear. Guys who come out of the batter's box now, it's like they're wearing a suit of armor and they have to like take all of it off when they get to first base. Here, here's this mantle and this cuff and this glove and this helmet and this face shield and this it's just it's amazing the body armor these guys are wearing now to hit.
0: And no more no more uh spitting on the baseball field.
1: Yeah that would be a hard one for me just uh, probably tmi but I'm, I'm a career spitter that's that's what i do i'm used to it so yeah
0: well now i know i will never get back near your uh your mic when i get back into the that, office
1: there you go yeah no that's that's an allergy driven problem i thought arizona <laughs> come to arizona they said no more allergies they said they lied
0: they lied now you get the mesquite trees and you're done
1: uh they're you're, just they're different allergies i'm allergic to yeah. everything
0: Yeah, so let's talk. Let's see. we got Michael Jordan. we got the NFL draft. We have Arizona basketball still going after some recruits. They'll have to. They failed in getting a couple of other guys that have chosen to go to North Carolina. That's not a shock. Uh, But Sean Miller's uh, slowly but surely getting his guys for next year. Uh, Nothing on the NCAA front. That won't happen until June if anything happens at all, at least at the very earliest because the NCAA has said they're not doing anything with any of those investigations until june uh so here we kind of sit and wait sit and wait i'm getting old i used to be 25 years old tom before i had this show
1: really wow yes. i didn't realize it aged you that much that's it, uh that's interesting hey steve i also wanted to get your take on danny manning getting let go by wake forest oh, yes. does that send any ripples for you
0: No, no. In fact, I saw that Saturday or Friday, whatever day that was, and I hadn't realized he had been there for six years. Um, No, uh, because the new AD just didn't like what he was doing. And he didn't do very well, although, you know, he was a player of the year in 88, uh, beat Arizona. uh, uh, Beat Arizona, not beat Arizona, but had that fantastic year in 88 when Arizona went to the first Final Four. Um, No, I'm not too surprised. If you're not playing for the AD that hired you, it's very difficult to... Land or stick because of uh, well, he's not your guy. Yeah, um, and you see it all the time. If he's not your guy, you're not the guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, we see that whenever there's a general manager change with a pro sports team. You know that the the first people they start eyeballing are the the scouts, the professional staff, and the the coaches
0: yeah no question and and sometimes it works out sometimes it doesn't um so we'll see uh, I found that not it's interesting because when you're in a you're in a downtime with basketball really not the major issues a few coaches getting cu- uh, cut or or dismissed because of the uh because no one has money i mean Arizona's going to lose a millions and millions, a ton of money yeah uh because of all this and if they don't have football this fall or basketball, where's the money going to come from
1: yeah And Here's a question, Steve, because a lot of people, you've been around college athletics forever, and I think you have a good perspective on this. So many people look at a university or a college or whatever, and they think, well, they've got a ton of money. They've got a ton of money. But how much do they rely on the athletic programs to really have that money coming in and do they realistically have a ton of money or is it kind of like those people who are paper millionaires who are like, well, all my money's in the market?
0: That's exactly what it is. People think, well, you have all this money to spend. We can pay. Well, that's where they come up with the pay the players. They have no money to pay the players. And if you pay the the football players, basketball players, you're darn well, you're going to have to pay the women because it's that Title IX thing. You pay them, you got to pay us. Uh, No, TV money goes so far. Attendance is part of that. Concessions and all that. And if you don't have well attended games, where's the money coming from? And that's where Arizona's at in football, at least, which should be the the crown jewel of the sports in in a program. And it's and we know that's hardly the case. Arizona men's basketball is that the crown jewel, although it needs to it doesn't bring in what football does. I am saying that I don't think I'm talking out of my out of my butt when I say that. Uh, and you know it hasn't had the attendance as it has in the past. Right. We talk about that often.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's definitely not what it used to be.
0: No. Hey, uh, Tom, let's take a quick break, get a hold of Michael Lev, and talk more about all this stuff on the other side. Hey, welcome back to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. And now in with me, Michael Lev of the Arizona Daily Star. Michael, how are you?
2: I'm doing okay, Steve. How are you?
0: Fine, thank you. Hey, you've been a busy, busy... I following former uh, football players from the U of A uh, in the NFL or trying to get to the NFL, talking a lot about, uh, in addition to that, you're talking a lot about maybe the U of A and what's next with the football program. You uh, probably had something in a follow-up with the, uh, the comments from Dr. Robbins through Hiki. So, well, let's start with the NFL. Let's just kind of go back sure. just recently. Uh, what surprised you the most? I would assume that the big surprise was, or not the big surprise was, nobody was drafted.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, that's been a pattern for Arizona for several years now, and I think there's a direct cause and effect between you know the lack of NFL talent and the lack of wins on the scoreboard. When you look at the best programs, produce the most high draft picks. It's not rocket science. Guess the question is, Steve, like, how do you get those guys in here? Right. You know when you're when you're Arizona, you don't have a lot of buzz going right now. You haven't had a lot of success on the field. I actually like the strategy that um, Kevin Sumlin and his staff have deployed uh, in the last couple of classes. And what that is is they're just kind of recruiting traits. You know, they're looking for guys who have length, guys who have athleticism, and then it's incumbent upon the coaches to develop them into potential pros. Um, I feel like, you know, Rich Rodriguez obviously tried to bring in as much talent as he could, but he had such a tremendous offensive system that he could plug in a certain type of player into that system. And he was able to produce points, even if those guys weren't, you know, NFL caliber players, um, you know, this, this coaching staff isn't as reliant on, you know, System over talent um, type of structure, and I, I like the way that they're they're trending with some of the recruits. But uh, you know, the the results of that we're not going to find out what they are for a while. Um, you know, it's going to be a couple more classes now before we really um, see the fruits of that. And who knows? You know, if, if Kevin, someone will be around to see this. That, that,
0: that would have been my next question because I think uh, th- this class that went out to, to attempt the NFL was all on Rich Rod. Obviously, there were his guys. Yeah. Uh, not a whole lot of uh, not a whole lot of uh, talent there uh, outside of Khalil, maybe or potential. And then we know how that went. But you do so you do like what Sumlin's doing. Um, that's strange, given that their recruiting classes haven't been rated highly.
2: Well, yeah. Well, let's look at it from two different perspectives. One is the rate. Of course, they haven't been good. We all know that that is an inexact science, um, but you'd rather be higher than lower, and they've been near the bottom. Um, I, I, he hasn't expressed this publicly, but I mean, I get the sense that he's been kind of frustrated you know, maybe by the lack of success that he's had, particularly in the Phoenix area where you know, he was able to go in as the coach. Of Texas A&M and get some, you know, highly um, touted guys um, to go and play for him. So that's one way of looking at it. The other way is, okay, let's say we can't get those elite guys. What can we get? You know, maybe we can get some guys who used to be basketball players, who love football, who might be really good down the line. Just, they just don't have, you know, the specific, you know, football skill set now. You know, two of the, seven players that they uh, added in the 20 class uh, late in the going Sean um, Trail Key and Paris um, Shand they're both basketball players who are relatively late comers to football um, that's the kind of thing that I was talking about that that I like as far as what they're doing um, they're, they're taking guys who have you can see there's some potential there if they're able to put it all together but of course, there are a lot of ifs associated with that. Can they develop? Will they stay healthy? Will they put the work in? Do they finally have the right coaches to develop those guys? And, and when is it all going to happen? Um, those are those are legitimate questions. Um, and, and no, I don't, yeah. yes, okay, yes, I don't disagree with you on that.
0: Yes, yes, I don't disagree with you on that. Let's go. Let's go to the three individuals that were out there: uh, Whitaker and. Um, JJ and then um, and then Khalil. So Whitaker good chance, good chance and you know good good for him. He he landed in a spot. What are his chances?
2: Yeah, I mean I think Arizona's a good spot for him. Um, you know the Cardinals are one of the teams that would pretty regularly have a scout at Arizona games. It's obviously you know, easy to get from um, you know from Phoenix uh, to Tucson um, so they know him if um, the position of need for them. I think those are, are positives. Jace is a really smart player. I remember someone told me that he was basically like having another assistant coach um, on the field. Um, and that's obviously great. I am a little concerned that he just doesn't have any top end or elite physical traits, whether that's speed, athleticism, size, you know, all of those things. He's going to really have to rely on being smart, you know, having technique, um, oh, thinking several moves ahead, um, you know, those sorts of things to, to make it um, in the league. reminds me like a little bit of Levi Wallace, you know, the, the Tucson high product who I'm sure everybody knows, you know, went to Alabama, walked on. You know, made the team, you know, on a tryout basis, eventually became a starter, um, second-team All-SEC player, and wasn't drafted. Wasn't recruited, wasn't drafted, signed with the Buffalo Bills, and he's been a starter for them for the past um, year and a half. I think there's some similarities there, but Levi did it on a little bit of a higher and more consistent level um, in a better conference in college.
0: Yeah, no question. Okay, now, J.J. going to uh, New England.
2: Great um, fit for all parties. Um, J.J., again, extremely intelligent, extremely hardworking, no nonsense, all football all the time. I mean, that's, that's an ideal fit for the Patriots system. Um, you know, Obviously lacking in size, right? He measured a little bit over 5'5", 185 pounds. That hurt him in the draft process. Um, running only a 4.61 in the forty at the combine heard him in the draft process. We have seen players of similar dimensions make it in the league, but usually those guys run in the four, three or four, four range. And they have that you know, leap breakaway speed. What JJ brings though is quickness, lateral agility, and, and excellent skills um, as a receiver out of the backfield. That has been um, a staple of the Patriots offense. You know, throughout the Tom Brady era, who knows what that offense will look like exactly? Uh, now that Brady is in Tampa, but uh, I just see a perfect marriage there uh, between you know what Bill Belichick likes likes to promote in his program and what JJ um, Taylor brings to that program.
0: Yeah, no, and, he, and he's a smart, good kid. You you hope that these kids like him um, get that opportunity and can shine or do do something to get a job like that because he is a good kid.
2: Yeah, and what I can, you know, what I can safely say about both him and Jace Whitaker is that they got the absolute most out of their ability um, while they're at Arizona. You know, aside from you being hurt um, on occasion, you know, um, they maximized their their potential. I feel like when they were here.
0: Right, right, right. Now let's go to the uh, the last one, Khalil Tate, a guy who who. To you, to me, to everybody who would listen, to you more than anybody, I'm not going to play anything but quarterback. I'm not going to play anything but quarterback. That may not be the case now.
2: Doesn't look like it, right? Um, it came as uh, it, it's it's just really interesting when you look back at this this last four years of Khalil. These like you could almost frame um, the the pivots or like the. The, the, the U-turns in his career, the sharp turns in his career with two tweets. Uh, one uh, was tweeted by Tate himself. You know, I didn't come here to run the triple option. Right. That's right. when, you know, we were reporting and um, we had you know, very good authority on this that, you know, Arizona was zeroing in on Ken uh to be their head coach. He was, he was the first coach at Navy where you know, at the service academies, you pretty much have to run the option in order to compete Um, that may have precipitated a whole string of events that brought in a particular coaching staff, you know, with whom Khalil didn't necessarily mesh um, as well as everybody thought. And then this tweet that was sent out by the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday, you know, we have signed Khalil Tate, you know, wide receiver Khalil Tate um, as a free agent. Um, You know, that's, that's the latest twist in a career that I, I just, sort of find endlessly fascinating. I'm sure you do too. Um, it looks like that they're going to move him to wide out and see what he can do there. Um, story just went up on our website, um, about, you know, the challenges he challenges that he's going to face. Um, I listed a bunch of other guys who have done it. They've either, you know, made it as receivers or return specialists or gadget type players, you know, after primarily being quarterbacks in college, um, As we know, elite athlete, tremendous speed, um, good size for a receiver, um, breakaway ability, tons of talent. Does he have the work ethic, the patience, the determination, the willingness to put in the time that's going to be necessary um, in order to succeed at that position? I I don't know the answer to that. Um, I certainly wish him the best in that regard. Um, but you know he's probably going to face some setbacks and some adversity along the way, and it'll be really interesting to see how he handles that.
0: At what point did you come on the scene in covering the team? Was he a freshman? Was he a sophomore?
2: Uh, yeah, I arrived in December of 2015, and he arrived in January of 2016.
0: Okay, so, so let me I just, I don't play, I'm not a duration. doctor. I, yeah. I'm not a doctor. I just play one on the radio. Uh, and I don't know if you want to believe with me or agree with me. Um, I think that, you know, he came on the scene almost as a punishing punishing uh, quarterback. He loved contact. He would initiate it on, many times. He had that great month. And then he got hurt a time or two, maybe more, more serious than we ever knew or ever thought. And he decided, you know what? this is too painful for me. I'm going to stop getting hit. So I'm not going to stop running. I don't want to run out of bounds. I'm going to do all this. And do you think that was part of it?
2: I think it was part of it uh, for sure. I mean, I, I can't put myself in his or any football player's shoes. I've never played tackle football. I would imagine that it hurts quite a bit when you get hit a lot or when you suffer those sorts of injuries. So it's totally understandable. Um, and th- I said many, many times, like this sport is not for everybody. Um, it's extremely tough. We know what it can do to your body and or your brain. Um, it is a sport where the ratio of practices to games is skewed yeah. the most, um, in favor of practices over games. So yeah, I think that's definitely a part of it. And, you know, psychologically, mentally, I don't know, know where his head was at over those final two seasons at Arizona.
0: Hey, welcome back to Why in the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. And in with me, Michael Lev of the Arizona Daily Star. We, we were cut off at the end there for Khalil Tate. Um, I still think that because of his ability and his athletic ability, they could find some place for him, whether the practice squad or, or just get him kind of prepared for the future because his talent is undeniable. We know that. Uh, it's just like you say, it has to be kind of processed and and uh, he has to kind of take it more seriously. Yes?
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, more likely than not, especially with you know the way this offseason is setting up with you know, no OTAs, no rookie minicamps, he's probably going to have to start out on the practice squad. Um, as I noted in the story that uh, we put up um, just a little bit ago, Greg Ward Jr. was a quarterback at Houston. Uh, was signed by the Eagles in 2017, and it was just like uh, you know a roller coaster ride for him. You know, signed to the practice squad, released from the practice squad, signed to the practice squad. It Wasn't until two years later, you know, after a bunch of injuries, that he became a part of the Eagles' um, receiver rotation. So it's going to be a long, hard road. Uh, he has all the tape, has all the ability in the world um, to get this done. It's just a matter of how badly he wants it. And that's what it's going to come down to, and it kind of already, kind of always has, um, for him. Because when he's at his best, you know, he can be dominant. And when his mind and body aren't quite right, you know, he's he's just ordinary.
0: Yeah, no question. Uh, going back to the overall, this will probably be the last question. You came from uh, L.A., covered USC, a uh, known football program, maybe not as known as it used to be. Uh, but I think I may have asked you a question like this before I was reading on Facebook by a lot of the fans who kind of just are fair weather fans you know how Tucson is fickle whatever they said oh what an embarrassment to have no people or no players drafted in their draft and it's been the case for some time now and and I'm thinking these fans don't exactly know who they are do they uh they're not uh, this is not uh Michigan this is not Oregon this is not Alabama this is who you are
2: uh, am I off um, I would say maybe a slight Here, – here's how I would say I wouldn't expect Arizona to have 7 or 8 or 12 players picked in the draft, which is what we see from Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, you know, Michigan even, I think, had 10 players picked um, um, in this last draft. But is it too much to ask for there to be two or three per year? Um, if you look back to the Mike Stoops era – um, and he of course had his share of issues and problems and so forth, but I mean, they had three players, four players picked in 2007, four players picked in 2008, two in three in 2010, three in 2011, three in 2012. And some of those guys were second, third, and even first round draft picks. I mean, they've had, you know, about one a year and sometimes less than that, um, over the last eight years or so, no one picked above. Um, the fourth round since 2014. That to me, I mean, it's you know, you're not shooting for the moon here. You know, you just want to be respectable and comparable to uh, the rest of what I would call the middle class in the Pac-12, and Arizona just hasn't been that.
0: Yeah, no, if, if said that way, I don't disagree. Uh, sprinkled in with every now and again, I don't disagree with that. Um, I, I think my point is, if I can uh, rephrase, I think that people mm-hmm. think that they're a 10 or a 9, and they're not a 9 or a 10, they're a, they're a 7 <laughs> or an 8 at the best.
2: Yeah, which, I mean, which is fine. Um, there's nothing wrong with being that, but you know, why can't they produce as many pros as Oregon State? Colorado right. have the last right. few years. And I would yeah, say no those question. schools are also in that same category of being you know six, sixes, sevens, or eights.
0: Yes, no, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, so you've been busy. I think that you did a follow-up. I could be wrong. Maybe Bruce did it. But uh, last week, Robbins, Randy, uh, Randy Robbins, uh, Mr. Robbins, yeah. uh, talked about football. Maybe not. Likely not. Uh, f- who knows about basketball? You, did you chase that story down and maybe talk to Hiki?
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah, um, did he walk? He walked when, that back a little, didn't he? He, he did. He did. But um, this is obviously an unprecedented situation. No really, no one really knows what is going to happen. No one has any firm answers. And I think Dave's stance was: we're not eliminating any options at this point. Um, and I, the reason that that's the case is that football is so important the economic engine of college sports. You know, it, it pays the freight for not only itself, but right. um, a lot of the sports that don't generate positive revenue. So there's a lot of motivation on the part of a lot of these universities for there to be some semblance of a football season, whether it's shortened, whether it's delayed, whether it starts in February. I mean, who knows what the case is going to be? And I, I think that um, the University of Arizona PR department might have felt like, you know, um, Dr. Robbins took things a little bit too far. I mean, if you read the entirety of what he said, if you listen to, you know, the whole um, interview, I mean, he wasn't definitive about anything. It was really kind of more like his opinion or his take on where mm-hmm. things stood. But when ESPN, you know, dot-com picks up on it and they put a certain headline on it, it looks a certain way. So, you know, I I think that, you know, there's certainly merit to what Dr. Robin said. He's a university president. He's a medical doctor. He knows a lot about this uh, coronavirus than a a lot of us do. But I also think that um, there's a lot of merit to what's kind of coming out of the athletic department specifically, and that is that they're not ruling anything out. Um, they're keeping all possibilities open and they're extremely motivated to have a football season this year
0: yeah and you can never live without hope and right now it's still early enough to have hope I think we'll know what mm-hmm. do you get maybe two months by the end of June middle of June we should know
2: I, maybe I mean who knows who knows what's going to happen I mean things have changed so rapidly um, with this situation I mean the way things were a month ago compared to how they are now true who knows what You know, things are going to be like a month from now. There is a certain point where I'm sure they're going to have to start making decisions. I saw a report today where um, it was decided that, you know, football teams would need about six weeks to prepare um, for the start of the season, which makes a lot of sense, especially when you consider uh, that they haven't had the usual, you know, offseason conditioning program um, to go through. I've seen a lot of reports where schools are saying, yeah, we're planning to have our students here. Um, for the fall semester, if that's the case. If the students can come, stands to reason that the student athletes, um, can, can do their thing as well. With, of course, a certain different set of rules and restrictions and so forth, uh, testing to be in place. I mean, it's something we could talk about for hours, Steve, but
0: yeah, no um, question. There's still, there's, and, yes, and the but to powerful, your the point, power-
2: yes, there is still hope
0: yeah yeah well they, they, if you have that, you have a lot of things left. The funny thing about it, they talk about football and they talk about basketball, but no one talks about the minor sports and how that could trickle you know trickle down you You have your baseball program that you cover uh the seniors possibly coming back or not i I in a softball team those types of uh, those types of teams no one talks about the volleyball team or some of those teams being affected for next semester as well.
2: yeah. I think that it depends on the sport, you know, where where that, the seniors returning is going to have, um, you know, an outside impact. With baseball, usually your best players are gone after their junior year. That's the goal, you know, it's, it's to get drafted. And to me, the, the bigger impact for college baseball is that they're going to shorten the draft this year from 40 rounds to as few as five, maybe 10. Um, there's a lot of guys taking mm-hmm. in that six to 12 round range who are probably going to end up back in college next year, whether they're incoming high school players or, you know, guy like, you know, center fielder, Dante Williams, who kind of a rising junior this year and he kind of put himself on the map but he's right on that border's edge. Um, it's going to create uh, something of a glut of talent um, in college baseball um, in 2021, but, that's kind of a good thing. I think it's going to be a really high level of play, assuming that you know we're, we're, everything is kind of you know, back to normal-ish by then. We have the usual college baseball season. Another interesting thing, kind of a side effect of this that I saw. There was a report in D1Baseball.com today that some of the conferences on the East Coast were discussing a regional scheduling alliance as a means to save money. That also makes a ton of sense to me, Steve. There's no reason you know, that Arizona's have to go to Penn State, you know, to play a three-game series. And if they can go to New Mexico or New Mexico State instead, it will require uh, a lot of changes to maybe some pre-existing agreements. But from an economic standpoint, um, it, it makes it, there's a lot of logic to it.
0: Yeah, no, no, I hadn't seen that. That's a good point. And right now, at least in the first couple of years, you'll need uh, to watch the uh, watch the wallet a lot, a lot in the next couple of years oh, because yeah. you're losing so much money.
2: Oh yeah, I think we're going to see a. Assuming there's a season this year, and then which would make for an off season following the season, I predict we will see a record low number of coaches fired from football and men's basketball because schools are not going to be willing or able to pay those buyouts. Um, I almost think it buys an extra season for any coach who's on the quote unquote hot seat, and you know, of course, we have one right uh, here in Tucson in Kevin Sumlin.
0: Yeah, no, you do. There's no question about that. I also think that the payouts and what coaches are getting might change, don't you?
2: I can see that. Um, I mean, the market you know, dictates what the market dictates in a lot of these situations. Um, but, you know, I've seen people write and say that this might be some sort of market correction. You know, obviously, a, a strange set of circumstances leading to that change in college athletics. But um, I think there's a lot of self-review going on right now, and there's a lot of conversations going on. Do we really need to spend this much money for coaches or this much money for facilities? You know, was the arms race kind of raging out of control, and do we need to rein that in a little bit? Um, It wouldn't surprise me at all if something like that did happen, because there just is not going to be as much money um, available with the NCAA tournament having been canceled and, and the, the status of the you know, college football season up in the air.
0: Yeah. No, there's so much change now. Uh, coaches, players, futures, things like that. Um, well, keep the good work, uh, Mr. Lev. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for coming on the show.
2: Thank you, Steve.
0: Appreciate it. That was Michael Lev of the Arizona Daily Star. Does a great job in covering the football team and the U of A sports. Uh, we'll take a quick break here. Come back on the other side. Talk to my wife, Tom, and we'll finish out the season. Sorry, finish, finish out the season. That's what it feels like. It out the show. Hey, welcome back to Why on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. Good to talk to Michael Lev. He knows his stuff. Uh, very tempered in his, in his presentation, isn't he, Tom?
1: Uh, level headed doesn't begin to cover it. He's very (laughs) considered, very, you know, I feel like the words coming out of his mouth are well chosen and well, like he has intention behind everything he's saying.
0: Right, right. No question. And me, I'm just saying, oh, no, but how about he?
1: But sometimes, Steve, there are nuggets contained within that, and, and it, our listeners know that. That's why they listen.
0: <laughs> That's true. You know what? Like you said uh, not too long ago, I've been with you, what, almost, uh, how long have you been with me? Uh,
1: have we hit six months yet? Oh, we've we may had have. to. Yeah. We've had
0: to. We, but, but you learned how to understand Steve a while back.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I didn't even need my, my translator app for that. I, I, I got right on board with the Steve. Yeah. You, do you, so you sold your decoder ring? Uh, you know what? I decided that other members of the fan club could use it more than me, so.
0: (laughs) Yes, give it to a few people because what the heck did he just say? I get it, totally. But, you know, we were talking about that before. Uh, U of A's up against it, not like any other school. Of course, every school's up against it, given the circumstances of the situation we're in. Uh, But it's, it's dire, a lot of different places. If you're a coach and you're not doing well, well, COVID may have saved you.
1: And that is, I, I mean, not to be dire or macabre about it, but extremely accurate because now, uh, although it hasn't saved some other people, some other people have been uh, you know, unceremoniously dumped during this whole thing, regardless of the current situation. But you're right. I do think there are some people who will get a free pass for another season, um, especially in, in coaching hot seats, because, Steve, if your season doesn't finish, you don't have any answers there. Um college or pro, especially basketball uh, or hockey and baseball, if your season is shortened or uh, else uh, somehow else affected, you know, you have what ifs and you have reasonable doubt. I think you're right. I think it may save quite a few people.
0: Right. And it's still early in the ball game to know um, what's going to happen. Uh, I know, you know, the numbers when it first broke a month ago and we were already in uh, in an isolation or quarantine. And people, well, the numbers aren't that big. Well, it's only the first or second inning, to use the analogy. Now we're still only like the third or fourth inning and things are uh, people want to take the seventh inning stretch pretty early here. So we'll see what happens.
1: Well, and, and that's the thing, Steve, is we've already been told to expect a late-inning rally. Right, that, right. That, you know, there's going to be two waves to this thing. So are we getting to the, the flattening of the curve of the first wave? I, I mean, I don't know that. Um, and, and I don't think we will know that until it becomes hindsight. And then we can say, oh, yes, at this period in time, that's when things flattened out, and then we got to the backside. But there's going to be another one. And uh, and from what you know, medical experts are saying it's possible it coincides with flu season in the winter. That could be devastating. It could be worse the second time around. Yeah, no question. But we uh, don't know.
0: We don't know. We don't know. And uh, we hope we don't find out. Uh, A lot of decisions to be made. Uh, I think, though, it's optimistic, though, that you're seeing people, uh, you know, I'm not sure. You could be making the wrong decisions by going out, enjoying your life or trying to figure out what you're going to do. But with teams uh, like the NBA, have we talked about the NBA? They're coming out, but now they've delayed coming out for another week. So there's good signs and then you kind of delayed signs
1: right and so this is uh from uh, adrian wojnarowski on espn.com it says they've uh pushed back the original plan to allow players to re-enter team facilities for voluntary workouts by a week until may 8th but in the meantime uh i believe they're going to reconsider it again uh in that period of time basically they're saying we're going to wait and see what happens over the next couple of weeks and so I I don't know that one week's time is enough to figure out if once people are circulating again, if it's going to get worse or not. But, you know, that's how would you feel if you're a player? Like just to to look at it from that standpoint, these guys make a lot of money to play a sport. Yes, they're competitive, but you can't tell me that some of these guys, especially there are some of them out there who have uh, other things going on, whether it's type one diabetes or autoimmune disorders. I mean, in the back of your head, you're thinking, man, I get paid a lot of money to play this game, but is it worth risking my health?
0: Right, right. That's the funny thing. And we talked about this before. Okay, so they they open up the stadiums, they open up the games, they do all these things. Are you going to be, and you use this uh, analogy, are you going to be the canary in the uh, cave um, going out there?
1: I don't want to be. I don't want to be the the guy who's going to tell you whether or not it's working and all of a sudden I drop over in my cage.
0: Yeah, no question. <laughs> Are you sure you want to go be go down there? I don't want to go down there. Uh, but well, you know, what can you do? If you if you have a if you have a how can I say this? I'm trying to use a Khalil Tate analogy. If you have to do what you got to do, you're going to play wide receiver.
1: Yes, exactly. And, well, and there's your decision, Steve. I mean, a lot of people make personal decisions based along lines much like that it's either your personal pride and you can either try to maintain that and be a quarterback or you can swallow it and have an nfl career kid which one's it going to be
0: right right and uh if you don't like one option you can always uh, leave the door leave the house
1: and that i mean look if the eagles even in the eagles release it said wide receiver they they made no bones about this he is not going there to throw a football
0: Right, right. Especially, you know, it's funny because the connection with uh, McNabb and Donovan McNabb, he went to work out with him in California, worked out with him, a quarterback, obviously, of the Philadelphia Eagles. And now uh, that workout was what it was. And now he's just going to be playing a different position. Maybe that's just a a ruse. Who knows? But there have been a lot of guys who have transitioned into positions that have done well. I know Michael talked about a couple, but um, you've seen it. You've seen it. The guy at Pittsburgh, I called him Slash. What was his name?
1: Cordell Stewart.
0: Cordell Stewart. There's, you know, he played at Colorado. There's been others and and he's got that potential. Bless his heart. See what happens. Uh, But uh, I don't remember any player, any player in my time here that's 30 plus years that has gone through what he's gone through in the highs and lows of a career. You know, Miles Simon maybe a little in terms of being the Final Four MVP, helping the team get to where it's. You know what I'm saying, and then kind of just not bleeding the NBA, but that's that's a kind of different comparison.
1: Yeah, no, and I mean it's it's kind of apples to kiwis. I mean, they're still fruit, but yeah, it's
0: not fair to it's Miles because he had such a great career and he was a college good college player and maybe not an NBA guy.
1: Here's the thing that I'm curious about, too, when it comes down to uh, this setup for Khalil Tate going to Philly. Let's say he goes there and, uh, you know, it, is the player in his mind committed now to becoming the best wide receiver he can? Or does he think, well, I'll be here, I'll show up at camp, and then I'm going to throw the football around, and I'm going to really impress him, and they're going to think, hey, maybe we can evolve this guy in the offense. Or say, you know, I, it, he has to have his mind right, Steve. You know, he has to be in a place mentally where he's walking in the door going, okay, this is it. If I want an NFL career, this is what I've got to do. I fully believe athletically he's capable of it. I just don't know if he's going to let go of that perception of himself as a guy who can throw the football.
0: Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. It would have been better, too, had they not um, drafted Hurt. Because you would have had another option. Is that in my mind? They could always use him at the QB spot. Maybe he's the third guy. Who knows? But uh, Hurt is a is a well was a good college quarterback. Um, one of the better ones, obviously. And he's going to be the backup for a while. And um, you know, well, you take every opportunity you can get. So more power to him.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know what? You're going to have a better, more successful career as an NFL wideout if you prove to be capable as one. But, uh, I mean, you know, the the third-string quarterback, that's a practice squad guy maybe sometimes, and, and you're not making a lot of money, you're going to bounce around a lot. But if you become an all-star wideout, you could really make a name for yourself.
0: Yeah, no question. Like I say to the uh, to the folks that, who listen to me, especially when I cover basketball, uh, like, let's say, Caleb Tarziski or uh, Gabe York or people like that who you know aren't going to be in the NBA, I still say, Hey, I wish I had his future.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know what, Steve? There's a lot of other things that you can do through sports and doors that open for athletes, whether they make it to the big time or not. It's just a matter of whether or not they're willing to take advantage of the opportunities. Again, pride has a lot to do with it.
0: No question. And, And guess where you learn that stuff? Here at college. Where you could kind of, uh, you know, find the right people, befriend the right people, become smarter at what you do. The guy that I thought did that very well is uh, a guy who had on the show a lot. And now I just, um, um, my wide receiver guy went to San Francisco. I try to reach him out. Sean Poindexter. Um, who who wasn't drafted, ended up on the San Francisco 49ers uh, practice squad after getting hurt in the final, I think it was the final exhibition game uh, with them. And just a smart guy, just a humble guy, wants to learn, wants to get better. Heck of an athlete. And they gave him an opportunity and he made the best of it. Of course, he ended up on the practice squad because he got hurt, but there's going to be plenty of opportunity. Um, you, know, you know how it is, burning bridges or whatever, not doing what you're capable of?
1: Yeah, and you know, Steve, you said something interesting uh, I want to go back to. You talked about the athletes. That's why you go to college, so you can learn these things and, and make those, those connections and network your way to those things, but you can't do it in one year. You just no. can't.
0: No, you can't. No, you can't. Uh, uh, you, you're talking about the one-and-dones and people yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no question. You can't. Uh, it's, it's funny because uh, you, I get this question all the time in, on this show and other shows. Who are the best uh, players to ever come through here? And who are my all time fives, all time tens, whatever. And it's very rare, if, if at all. I, I, I can't remember picking out a guy who's been one and done because they haven't been here long enough to, to gauge their career. Sure. You know, Like Aaron Gordon, heck of a player, unbelievable player. Had he stayed here, he would have been huge. Um, no, I can't put him on because he was here for, what, six months? Uh, DeAndre Ayton, same way. I couldn't do that because we all knew that he was very good. But, but we're talking about Arizona now, his time at Arizona. Um, it doesn't qualify. It doesn't qualify.
1: And I think some people are in a hurry to put guys on pedestals because of their NBA career. It's like, okay, right. great, but what if he'd have spent three years here? How would that right. have changed the program's fortunes?
0: Right, in fact, uh, back in the day, it was 90, 2000, early 2000s, uh, Luke Walton was here. Uh, uh, so was um, uh, his, his uh, God, man. Uh, <laughs> my guy from Golden State who got traded, um, uh, his teammate. Not sixth here. man of the year, sixth guy in the NBA.
1: You're putting me on the spot. I'm not. Good I know, like and <laughs> I'm
0: losing my names. Uh, well, he, um, Andre Iguodala, Andre Iguodala. Uh, Luke said, "Had he, if he stays here for four years, he'll be the best player ever." And I'm thinking, okay, I see it. I see it. He left after his second year, so that that beats that. Uh, Aaron Gordon, same kind of thing. Stanley Johnson, possibly. Aiton, of course. Markkinen, possibly. But guess what? They didn't, and now they're just a footnote in the program.
1: And part of what keeps selling the program right
0: (laughs) yeah i think it's gonna stop i think it's i to tell you the truth i think it's gonna stop Uh, this year is not gonna be that year where they're gonna have more in fact they're gonna go back to their old uh old ways back in the day ways where uh, they're gonna get players to see if they could play together and still even then they're gonna be fresh to each other if you get seven new guys guess what the problem is gonna be time on the court to playing together
1: and there's only one ball
0: and only one ball. Yes. So there you go. In, in December or January, if they ever play, we'll say, you know what? They need more time. They need more
1: time. That's what we always say. Just put the cactus back on the court, the old logo, everybody would be happy.
0: Yeah, everybody would be happy. Hey, yeah, we got to go. We got to go, right? We do. Thanks, Tom. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Appreciate it. Thanks, Michael Ebb.